Praise the Lord. I have enjoyed this day, ministry of the Word of God, beautiful fellowship of the people of the Lord, and the icing on the cake has been the approval of God's Spirit and anointing this place today. I again want to thank Pastor Cox for the invitation to come and share in this great Bible conference and also to Brother Tinney and the members of the Louisiana District Board that I'm sure approved it and rightly they should. I mean they should approve what's going on, not they should approve me. <laughs> but <that's> uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> we are delighted to be a part of this and uh, Brother Hinkle blessed us this morning, and then Brother Tinney in his own special way. Brother and Sister Tinney have been such a blessing to our district over the years, many, many years. And then uh, <laughs> Brother Hudspeth, I don't know how other preachers get their messages. I've got a book full of good ones here. Plum full of good ones. But the book said words fitly spoken. And uh, I would like to talk to you about Daniel's 70 weeks or the mark of the beast or something like that. I love to do that. But I want to share with you something that I think will fit right in, I feel, with what we've been hearing today. And I want to say again, I like what I've been hearing. Praise God. If you'd like to stand just one more time, and uh, don't worry about me getting stopped. I can quit. It's getting going. That's my problem. <laughs> I never have any problem quitting. I can turn it off. The spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. It's getting started that I sometimes have a little problem with. I'm reading from the 24th chapter of the book of Genesis. I will spare you a lot of reading, but for just a starter, from the very first verse of Genesis 24. And Abraham was old and well stricken in age, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. Abraham said unto his eldest servant of his house that ruled over all that he had, I pray thee, put, I pray thee, thy hand under my thigh, and I will make thee swear by the Lord, the God of heaven, and the God of the earth, that thou shalt not take a wife unto my son of the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell, but thou shalt go unto my country, to my kindred, and take a wife unto my son Isaac. And the servant said unto him, Preadventure the woman will not be willing to follow me into this land. Must I, must I needs bring thy son again unto the land from whence thou camest? And Abraham said unto him, Beware that thou bring not my son thither again. The Lord God of heaven, which took me from my father's house, from the land of my kindred, which spake unto me, that swear unto me, saying, unto thy seed will I give this land, he shall send his angel before thee, 
and thou shalt take a wife unto my son from thence. And if the woman be not willing, will not be willing to follow thee, then thou shalt be clear from this my oath. Only bring not my son thither again. Thank you for standing. God bless you. You may be seated. I thought of a story. Church down Florida way had an usher by the name of Aiken. Brother Aiken was uh, so considerate of all of the parishioners. He greeted them at the door when they came and left. On this particular Sunday, his pastor preached on and on and on and on. Finally, an old fellow in disgust rose to leave and very apparent that he was disgusted with the length of the sermon. And Brother Aiken ran to the door to meet him. And as the fellow was about to leave, Brother Aiken stuck out his hand and said, I'm Aiken. The old fellow took it and said, and I'm paralyzed. <laughs> I will try to let you go before you are paralyzed. Amen. My subject this afternoon for a Bible lesson for a few moments is, uh, is one of my own. I, I would admit that I do read and listen. and uh, I've gotten a dozen spinoffs here in this Bible conference. I appreciate everything I've heard. But I call this three tests for a bride. Three tests for a bride. Think I'm on safe ground when I say we believe the church is the bride of Christ. Oh, yeah, we believe that. And we all want to be a part of it or a part of her. We all want to be in that number. Praise God. But there are not one, not two, but three tests for the bride. In my scripture text today, Abraham becomes a type of God the Father, Eliezer becomes a type of the Holy Ghost, and Isaac becomes a type of oh, Brother Crabtree hadn't gone Trinity. But these three individuals are a type of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. I'm not afraid of those terminologies. I believe in the Father. I believe in the Holy Ghost. I believe in the Son. Praise God. One uh, Trinity lady down our way told my wife, said, I understand you folks don't believe you're saved without the Spirit. My wife said, we don't believe you're saved until you endure to the end. And I trust we all believe that. Praise God. I believe we have a hold of what will save us. If I was overboard out here in the Gulf and you threw me a rope and I grasped it, I'm not in yet. But I have a hold of what will save me if I hang on. I have a hold this afternoon of what will save me if I hang on. But if I let go, I'm going to sink and be lost. 
Eliezer was given a very unusual task, to say the least. His master Abraham said, I want you to go to the land that I came from and take a bride for my son. I'm a good amount of meddle with fixed marriages here a little bit, but I better not. The servant uh, swore to his master that he would not take a wife from among the heathen Canaanites, but he would go back to Mesopotamia, the land that Abraham came from, and there take a wife. But he said, before I go, what if she will not be willing? Shall I take your son over there and let him pick one out? And Abraham said, By all means, you may not take my son thither again. If the woman will not be willing, you will be free from your obligation. So the Bible said, Eliezer loaded ten camels, took other servants, I'm sure, provisions for the journey, and went many hundreds of miles across a God-forsaken desert to the land of Mesopotamia. Never been there, knew no one. So the Bible said he prayed, and he said, O Lord God of my master Abraham, show me good speed, be kind to me. I stand here by this well of water, I know no one, I have no idea. The young woman that you have in mind for a bride, for my master's son. But uh, let the woman that I ask, I was way back there, because believe it or not, I didn't live there, nor did Brother Tinney, neither of us. But Abraham's servant asked Rebekah for a drink of water, having just completed a journey across a desert on the back of a camel, many hundreds of miles. He must have been a sight to look at. Perhaps bearded and dirty and dusty and so on. And if she had dropped her water pot and ran home screaming for her life, and told her father and her brother, some old bearded fella tried to get fresh with me. We'd understand that. We'd understand that. If she had have ignored what he said, said absolutely nothing, got her water and went her way, we could understand that. But what she did do is almost unbelievable. When he said, let me drink from your pitcher, young lady, she said, drink, and let her pitcher down. And as the water was trickling down his parched throat, he was wondering, what else? What else? And while he was drinking, she said, and I will water your camels also. Now, he didn't ask her to do that. That was spontaneous. The first test for the bride is the test of obedience. You can mark it down. Number one is the test of obedience. Now, obedience is, is quite a broad spectrum. It encompasses a lot of things. Of course, it involves repentance. Of course, it involves water baptism in Jesus' name. Of course, it involves receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Of course, it involves obeying them that have the rule over you. 
and submitting yourselves and all of that. And I want to say right here and now, the besetting sin of we Pentecostals is the sin of disobedience. We have spawned a society that is hell-bent on doing the thing. I was told not long ago, I'll have my way or die. And I said, no, you'll have your way and die. If we be willing and obedient, we shall eat the good of the land. Now, we cannot be saved without obedience. There is no substitute for obedience. The Lord told King Saul through the lips of Samuel many years ago, to obey is better than the sacrifice. And to hearken is better than the fat of rams. There is no substitute for obedience. Can you say amen to that? Rebecca would never have figured in the plan of God had she not been obedient to the request of the servant of Abraham. Give me a drink. And she said, drink. That's test number one. I don't believe you can be saved without being born again. Somebody asked Billy Graham, what do you have to do to be saved? He said, nothing. I don't buy that. I'm sorry. I don't buy that. No, I'm not sorry either. Bless God, you've got to obey. I've got to obey. We've all got to obey. He will never say well done unless we do well. Praise God. The thing that disqualified King Saul was that he was disobedient. His dynasty stopped. No son of his ever sat on the throne. He said, because you've rejected the word of the Lord or disobeyed the word of the Lord, I have rejected you. Praise God. Jesus said, I'm coming in my Father's name and you receive me not. They were disobedient. The earmark, one of the earmarks at least, of the end time is men, women, boys, girls, the human race would be disobedient. It's a way of life. You heard about the little boys. Mama spanked him good, said, go sit in the corner. He went and stood in the corner. She said, I said, sit. He stood. She warmed his little bottom again and set him down. When she walked away, he said, I'm sitting down on the outside, but I'm still standing up on the inside. You can relate to that. We have spawned a society that will not obey, will not submit. Rules were made to be broken. But the thing, step or test number one, that qualified Rebecca as the bride for Isaac, and she becomes a type of the church. She becomes a type of you and I. The thing that we passed, the test that we passed, first of all, was the test of obedience. Praise God. That we obeyed the Word of God. That we did repent when we heard it preached. That we were baptized in Jesus' name when we heard it preached. That we did receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost when we heard it preached. That we have been obedient to the Word of God. Praise God. That is test number one. 
And if we don't pass that test, you can forget the rest of it. You can forget the rest of it. That's good. That's good. I get asked, you know, teaching some prophecy around about, I get asked a lot of questions. Where did Cain get his wife? I don't know why we're so interested in the other fellow's wife anyhow. Maybe we ought to ask where you got yours. About the best I've been able to do with you, get her from his mother-in-law. Is that all right? Now where did you get yours? Praise God. But we want to know a thousand things. You know, that if we knew, it wouldn't help us. What we ought to be asking is, what must I do to be saved? Right? Where can I obey? What can I do? What, what would God have me to do? That's what they ask on the day of Pentecost. Men and brethren, what shall we do? He didn't give them a study on the Godhead. And where Noah or Cain rather got his wife. But what shall we do? Well, aren't you glad somebody told you what to do? Yeah. And aren't you glad you obeyed it? Right. Praise God. Test number one. And this, this is what uh, intrigued me today. Because from Brother Hinkle to Brother Tinian, Brother Hudspeth, all of them have uh, mentioned this. And in fact, when Brother Tinian was doing such a beautiful job here, I, uh, I had already determined that this is what the Lord would have me teach about this oh, afternoon. Right. And when he got on this subject of, of service, I thought of the three little boys sitting on the curb for lack of something better to do. They said, let's guess the best things to eat. And one of them said, all right, I guess it's watermelon. The second one said, I guess it's fried chicken. And the third one said, y'all didn't leave me nothing to guess. <laughs> and when Brother Kenny got through with service, he didn't leave me nothing to guess. <laughs> but test number two, believe it or not, is the test of service. That's good. That's what the Spirit's saying. Number one is obedience, but number two is service. I, uh, when I got out of high school, I worked at Allison Engineering Company building those Allison engines that powered the old P-51, P-38s in World War II. That's how old I am. That's how far I go back. When airplanes had propellers on them. Would you believe that? They used to have propellers on them. I know because they helped build the engines. And uh, nearby was Speedway City and the Indianapolis racetrack with a 500 run. Never saw the race in my life. Never went there. But I've been out on the track I mean, I never went to the race. I've been out on the race when it was, the track when it was vacant. I'll get it out in a minute. And, uh, the first thing I found out was they wouldn't let me drive my 37 Chevrolet in that race. You know why? I couldn't qualify. To run in that race, you've got to be able to drive a vehicle around that track so many times at such a speed. You've got to qualify. That don't mean you've won the race. It means you can get in there and run. But if you can't qualify, you can't even run. And the first test of obedience is the qualifying. That just gets us in the race. Now we, we lambast the Baptist for once saved, always saved. We've got our own particular, peculiar brand of Pentecostal 
eternal security. I don't mean social security either. I mean eternal security. We have put such emphasis on repentance and water baptism and the baptism of the Holy Ghost that we have made people to believe. If you do that, you've got one foot in heaven. But that's not the case. I say that's not the case. I'll tell you exactly what the new birth does. Now, I'm, I believe the new birth, I believe as firmly and as strongly as anybody. But when you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost after repenting and being baptized, you have just simply qualified to get in the race. That's all. You have performed the qualifying laps. You have performed the necessary qualifying accomplishments that puts you in the race. Let me digress here a moment. Uh, I hear a lot of these fellows preaching what I call divine health. R.W. Shambach and a lot of others. If you were a child of God, you wouldn't get sick. That's not so. That's not so. You hear this old preacher tell you, God has not redeemed our bodies yet. God has redeemed our souls. But our bodies are still under the curse. And I don't know whether he wears bifocals, but I'll guarantee you when he hits 45, he will. You keep looking. The Bible said, dust thou art, and to dust shalt thou return. Praise God. Well, I know we talked in tongues and were bad in Jesus' name, but that simply qualified us to get in the race. We just passed test number one. That's all. Just test number one. Now, the servant had prayed, let the woman that you've chosen to be a bride for my master's son, let her obey and give me a drink, but let her offer to water my camels. Ten of them. Thirsty camels. Across the desert. I never watered a camel, but I did water an elephant one time. I really did. I really did. I was about uh, 12, I guess. The circus came to town, and uh, we were so poor. My brother said we were so poor, we spell poor with three O's. <laughs> I don't know if you can relate to that, but... I went to work for the circus for a pass to go in, and they gave me the job of water from, watering an elephant. And uh, I carried water till I give out. <laughs> if I counted correctly, I carried about 15 gallons of water to that fellow. I thought he's made out of water. <laughs> I, I, I don't know what your concept of Rebecca watering the camels may have been, but she took one little pitcher down and poured it out. You can forget that. There was ten of them fellas. And they'd been across the desert and they were thirsty. They hadn't drunk in a long time. Somebody said she made 26 trips to the well. I don't know. But I'll guarantee she made seven. And I have come to the conclusion that a lot of Pentecostals are just too cotton-picking lazy to be saved. 
That's what the man was preaching a while ago. That's what Bishop Tinney was preaching a while ago. And that's the name of the tune. I said, that's the name of the tune today. We've got too many spectators. We've got too many like David's wife up there in the window. Despising what's going on. Get down here where the rubber meets the road. Praise God. Praise God. You want to know how to raise children? That's a bachelor. He knows. That's God. They write books on how to raise kids. Well, where are the kids you raised? Huh? Where are the kids you raised? Praise God. Rebecca said, I'll give you a drink. And and he wasn't. He never asked her to water the camels. He doesn't say, you've got to give me a drink and then water all ten of those camels. She'd have probably said, forget it. He simply said, give me a drink. And she said, drink and. I'm going to challenge all of us this afternoon, and I believe this fits with what we've been hearing this morning. I believe we ought to be looking for some camels to water. We want to go to heaven. We want to be raptured. We want to walk the streets of gold. We want Him to say, well done. Test number two is the test of service. I don't want to bore you with a lot of personal reference, but I happened to come into Pentecost. I was reared in a Baptist home. My folks were primitive Baptists. What is to be will be in spite of all it can be. In the hills of southern Kentucky, my dad migrated to Indiana in the Depression, went to work for a Chrysler Corporation, and uh, that's where I heard of Pentecost. There was a there was a neighbor nearby that played music with my brother and I. We played old mountain music, old they call it bluegrass now. And uh, he got into the Pentecostal church, and he became obsessed with getting my brother and I in. And we were thinking about everything but church. He invited us, and we said, sure, we'll come. Didn't mean to come, just get rid of him. Tell him anything. He kept inviting us. We kept saying, we'll go. Finally, he said, what happened? Well, we, we overslept. He said, I'll come wake you up. And he did. He came and woke us up. We said, we'll be on after a bit. You know, anything, get rid of it. Didn't go. He said, what happened? Well, we just just couldn't get ready. He said, I'll come, wake you up, and stay with you. And he did. He woke us up, said, I well, know what you're going to do. The man sitting there won't take no for an answer. I'm here to get ready to go to church. We'll take you to Sunday school. Well, the bottom line is we went to Sunday school. And I heard the truth preached for the first time in my life. Praise God. But I would never have heard it if somebody had not been looking for some camels to water. Now that goes along with what the husband said a while ago. Praise God. The name of the game is service. We need to be looking for some camels to water. Praise God. We need to be reaching and winning and witnessing and instead of cursing the darkness, light a candle. Sweep the house and seek diligently till we find that lost one. Can't you say amen? Amen. 
She would never have qualified if she had not been obedient. She would never have qualified if she had not been one of service, dedicated to service. Praise God. The old fellow down my way, he, he kept saying, you know, I aim to do better. I, I aim to do more. I aim to pray more. Finally, the preacher said, Brother, you've been aiming a long time. It's time you pulled the trigger. <laughs> I've been going to Pentecostal camp meetings and conferences for 47 years. And I've heard a lot of aiming. I aim to do more. I aim to pray more. I aim to fast more. Don't you think it's about time we got the message and pulled the trigger? And got involved in the service. That's test number two. I don't believe, I don't care how long you talked in tongues when you got the Holy Ghost. If you're not involved in the cause of God, there's not only a curse on Moraz, there's a double curse. If you read that, it said, Curse ye bitterly, curse ye Moraz, curse ye bitterly the inhabitants thereof. You'd think, my God, they have a double curse. They must have deserted to the enemy. They must have went over to, to the other side. They must have subverted the, the ways of the Lord. Something. No. What did they do? Nothing. Did you hear me? Nothing. Because you came not to the help of the Lord. What do I have to do to be lost? Nothing. Not one thing. You don't have to do anything. Test number one is obedience. Test number two is service. Are you ready for this one? I won't bore you with the whole chapter, but in verse 55 of the same chapter, her brother, her mother, her brother and her mother said, Let the damsel abide with us a few days, at the least ten, and after that she shall go. He said, Hinder, said unto them, Hinder me not, seeing the Lord hath prospered my way. Send me away that I may go to my master. And they said, We will call the damsel and inquire at her mouth. And they called Rebekah and said unto her, Wilt thou go with this man? And she said, I will go. That's test number three. The bride, I'm talking about the bride. I'm not talking about the United Pentecostal Church necessarily. I'm talking about the bride. I trust we're a part of the bride. I believe we are. If I didn't believe this is right, you better believe I'd close this book now, get out of here, and join the group I thought it was. I'm not fooling around to play in church. I want to be saved. That's number one. I want to be saved. Praise God. And the Bible says, when they had tossed us all around, they called her. We'll ask her. And she said, I will go. Test number three we got to be ready to go. Right. Now, some of us may be like the old Texan. I'll tell it on Texas, Brother Tenney, and let Louisiana rest. If he died, he went to the pearly gates and knocked at the door. It's only a story, of course. St. Peter said, who is it? He said, it's a cowboy from Texas. St. Peter said, come on in, but you won't like it. You didn't get that? After you've been to Texas, you wouldn't like heaven, see? That's the way Texans feel about Texas. But I haven't seen any place down here that would deter my face, my desire from heaven. 
I got up out of my seat in a little old storefront mission nearly 47 years ago. It will be in March. I was a 16-year-old schoolboy. I didn't know anything about Daniel's 70 weeks or where Cain got his wife or nothing else. I just wanted to go to heaven. That's all that was on my mind when I got up out of my seat. I made my way to an altar. And I began to pour my boy's heart out to God. I had heaven on my mind. I'm not there yet, but it's still on my mind. Praise God. I've got heaven on my mind. I want to go. I've heard just enough about it. I want to go. Praise God. I don't think there's anything down here worth losing my eternal soul over. This lady had never been. All she had to go on was the words of Eliezer, a few trinkets. But I believe somehow the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God, quickened these things to her. And her mother, and her brother, and I'm sure all the rest of the family got in it. And said, well now, don't, you know, don't, don't be hasty. Just take it easy. In a few days, you know, I said here Sunday night in this beautiful church that the devil battles us a day at a time. You don't presuppose next week, next year. All he wants to do is get us to don't do it now. Keep us from doing it now. But the Bible said today. But the tenor said now. Here, we need to hear what the Spirit's saying now. Praise God. This is the most important message, not what I'm preaching, necessarily not my sermon, but but what we're hearing around here is the most important thing you'll ever hear. Praise God. If I if I miss the rapture, I missed it all. I know, I know, I hear it everywhere. Well, if I miss the rapture, I'll give my life over there in the tribulation. I'll come up that way. Is that right? The book said, if you have run with footmen and they have worried thee. How canst thou contend with horses in the swelling of the Jordan? Simply put, if you can't keep up with another person on foot, what would you do with a horse and you in water? Have you ever tried to run in water? And that's what, that's what that means. If you can't live for God now with the Bible, with the Holy Ghost, with the church, with the ministry, how can you die for Him in the tribulation without all of that? We're contending with footmen now, but it'll be horses then. It's the easiest now it'll ever be. Praise God. I believe with all my heart that the third test that the bride has got to pass, not only obedience and service, but ready to go. Praise God. Ready to go. When God got ready to bring Israel out of Egypt, they observed the Passover. The Bible said they ate it in haste with their shoes on. Standing up. Holes on their back. Stopping their hands. Ready to go. Praise God. I believe that we're racing the rapture right now. I believe only the mercy of God is holding back the, the darkness of tribulation. Until we do get involved in service and reach this world and win the lost. 
But I believe while we're doing all of that, we have got to be ready. Praise God to go. When it comes, the Scripture said unto them, that wrote for Him. Praise God. I would not be so naive as to think that everybody that's been baptized in Jesus' name is looking for Him and ready to go. I wouldn't be so foolish as to assume that. Quite the contrary. But that's what this is all about. Sound an alarm. Wake up. Get us aware of the fact that the coming of the Lord is near. Praise God. I thank the Lord for the good sense to obey the gospel. I thank the Lord for the little bit of service that I've been involved in. But I don't want to get so involved that I forget that the Master could return at any moment. That I need to be in tune with heaven and ready to go. They used all of their the tricks of the family. Now, you're surely you're not going to leave mama. You're not going to leave your brothers and your daddy and home and your friends where you grew up. You're not, you won't leave all this. I want to tell you, this world is not my home. Hallelujah! Eliezer is the type of the Holy Ghost. And he was restless. He was saying, I need to go. And they said, wait. He said, don't hinder me anymore. I've got to go. And the, the Spirit of God, I believe, is, is restless. If you're tired of the cigarette smoke and the profanity and, and the cursing and the pornography, how do you suppose the Spirit of God feels? We are baptized with the Spirit of another world. We haven't received the Spirit of this world. We were baptized with the Spirit of another world. Brother Johnson is restless in this world. It's not at home in this world. This world is not my home. I'm just passing through. I want to go. I want to go. Praise God. I want to be busy in the service of the Lord. Praise God. But a Christian, I believe, with all my heart's got double vision. You've heard I'll keep one eye on the boss and the other eye on the clock. You've heard that. I believe we got double vision. We can see the things of the Lord that need to be done. But we got another eye on that eastern sky. Oh, maybe today. Maybe this will be the day. Praise God. Brother Beckton said, and I'm sure you wouldn't mind me telling this. He said it at our camp meeting last year. He said, I believe I'll know the day. Some of you were there and heard it. I believe I'll know the day. When I wake up, I believe the Spirit of God will quicken this is the day. I don't know. I hope he's right. I hope he's right because I certainly don't want to be left behind. I, everything that I've said and done and preached and given and built and whatnot would all be in vain if I missed that. There will be nothing to look forward to but the judgment of God that comes on the children of disobedience. But I want to go, don't you? I have passed test number one. I have been obedient. I'm trying to pass test number two. I'm trying to be involved. At a time in my life, if you forgive another personal reference, at a time in my life at 63, I ought to be thinking about 65, 
and those pennies, you know. I had some fun with Social Security a few days ago. I had some fun. I went down to the Social Security office in my town. I told Brother Kevin Cox about it because he knows about those things. I took a number and waited, and I drew a young man that couldn't have been over 25, sat down at his table, and I said, You don't know me, young fella, but my name is Crabtree. I'm a preacher, and I got involved in Social Security in 1941. They started taking pennies out of my check. They told me when I got old, I could get it. Well, I'm old, and I want it. <laughs> and before you do anything else, I don't want a little check every month. I don't want it that way. <laughs> You've invested my money wisely, I'm sure. I must have a half a million dollars in here. <laughs> Rather than be worried with me every month... I want you to cut one check. You know how much I paid in? He said, oh, yes, sir. Yes, sir, Reverend, we know. I said, I want you to take that figure and add 5% for 44 years. And cut me one check for that amount. And I'll write you a receipt paid in full, and you will be bothering me no more. His mouth fell open. <laughs> he said, I can't do that. I said, how come you can't? It's my money, isn't it? Well, yeah. I said, you haven't given my money to somebody else. <laughs> I, I hear about these foreigners coming in here. They paid nothing in. You didn't give them my money. <laughs> he, he called his boss. <laughs> Come over here. He said, this guy's making sense. <laughs> I said, I don't want anybody else's money. I just want my money. What you took from me when I was 18 years old and told me when I got old, I could get it. Well, I'm old and I want it and I want it now. Just what I paid in, 5% in, if I put it in the bank, I could get 10 now. Nothing unreasonable about that. He said, now, Reverend, you don't understand it. We just work here. We don't make the rules. We just... I got a lot of mileage out of that. But when I finally, you know, thought I'd gotten all out of it, I could. I said, I know you can't. I wish you could. He said, you had me going. But I'll tell you how much I'm sold on end-time revival. The church in Panama City, and Brother Kevin Cox knows this to be true, they drew up a legal contract, had a lawyer draw it up, and all that membership signed it, that I could pastor their church as long as I lived. And the lawyer said, do these folks know what they're signing? They're stuck with this guy. This is legal. Of course, I never accepted it as anything but honorary. But I'm saying all that to say this, that this is a time in my life when I ought to be thinking about winding down. Right? Well, that is right. I ought to be thinking about slowing down. You know, I've got in 47 years. A couple more, 49, that'll take me to 65. Let somebody else do it. And I'm telling you, I believe in end-time revival. And I believed it so much that I turned over the pulpit of a church that I pastored for 35 years.
You, you started a lot before we did. The oldest church in Florida is probably not over, well, about 1933-34. That's about the time the message came to Florida. And then, very sparingly, but, but like the superintendent of South Dakota and that Trinity organization said, if they're not there yet, they're on the way. We are. We're on the way. Praise God. I mean, by the grace of God, we're going to pass all three tests. We're going to be obedient. We're going to get involved in service. Praise God. And we're going to be ready to go. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. And the angels beckon me from heaven's open door. 